0: Crossway commission
1: i don't know do you have the same book the last time
2: read uh, a different book the last time well i
1: thought i saw you with the pilgrim <laughs> progress
2: because
1: <laughs> remember the last time you had a big
2: stack of books with you that that's you why bought. i did so bad last time i read the wrong book
1: <laughs> i like the pages on it and everything is right. that modernized english Yes. Uh, pff, man, you showed up with a modernized Pilgrim's Progress.
2: I knew you were going to say that. I was going to show up with the the completed works of Bunyan. <laughs> and you, you know, yeah. that Banner does. And you
1: have Creamer. <laughs> and you have. So you showed up with a modernized Pilgrim's Progress. You have Creamer in your coffee. And you're drinking. Oh, and
2: Diaco, I iced it. And you're
1: yeah. drinking Diet
0: Coke. He made, he, made he made an iced latte.
2: <laughs> I did. Any port in a storm, baby. <laughs> Yo,
0: this thing, this thing is nice.
2: That was a gift from my in-laws.
1: I like the pages
2: on it.
0: You got, you got some good in-laws, man.
2: I do. I absolutely do. All right. So first off,
1: we need to do our due diligence. West Brown on the track yet again. Wes, you you've you said you've got. Three hours of sleep, which is more than the last time. Last time you went to bed at like two, right? Mm-hmm. So a full extra hour, which in normal human time, that's like an extra three hours of sleep. I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, yeah, baby. man. Bushy-tailed. Back in the trap, ready to discuss some Pilgrim's Progress, Chapter 3. Um, I'm really intrigued, though, with, with this um, debate that you've mentioned or this controversy. I didn't notice any controversy, and I didn't think of it myself so we were talking before we started about when was pilgrim saved Mm. and it's one of those things where this could be dangerous for all of us this is Mm. 5 a.m i'm coming up with a new idea having a new train of thought something has jogged my mindset to make me really think about this wow like when was Christian safe? So it could be dangerous because it's five a.m. and I'm coming up with some new thoughts.
2: Who knows what will happen? So I mean, when do you think he was safe Well, I, uh, I, I would. I'm curious. I've I've only heard up to when you had Doctor Ryan Bush on the show. So that's that was sort of an overview. Have y'all y'all gone through chapters one through three? One through two you know one through two i mean so that yeah. those are those are and, and i was I, i'm very glad that i was on after you had dr bush because once i you know i heard him i was like man what they're getting guests of this caliber i'm never coming back you know <laughs> i was like yeah, he's oh man name. yeah He was like oh, i read pilgrim's progress every day three times a day you know yeah I, was, I finish it i finish it before <laughs> lunch you know just got it memorized
1: took a picture of all the times that he's read it in the past two years, and it's like six or seven times.
2: And so I, I feel very um, ill-equipped answering, especially when it comes to the the controversy of, uh, or the supposed controversy of when he was saved. I have a, there's some commentary the version I have, and there's several things I've read where it talks about pilgrims the moment of pilgrim salvation being when he enters the sheep gate, the wicked gate, right. That's where the evangelist points him toward. Mm-hmm. That's the 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 light leads him toward there. He, he cries out, you know, and uh, goes through the slough despond. He arrives at the finally arrives at the sheep gate after a brief stop at. Legality, or headed toward legality. And there he arrives at the sheep gate. And he has a conversation there. And he enters in. And it's from there that he is directed and he goes toward the cross. And there are, so there are some that say that at the moment he enters the sheep gate, that that's the moment of his conversion, of his, of, of his salvation, but that it's applied or, or that he he's aware of it or he experiences it at the cross, which is just a, a little ways down the road from the sheep gate, and that it's at the cross that his burden falls away, into the tomb it's at the cross where he gets his the name written on his forehead and the new clothes and his assurance scroll of his assurance given to him
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so i it, it's it's whether is he saved at the entrance of the sheep gate when he walks in or is he saved at the cross where he experiences the benefits of his salvation, I think it's a it's it's interesting. Um, I I tend to, to to think the cross, but there are smarter men than I that hold to the sheep gate. Yeah,
1: I mean we think of the doctrine of justification, and uh, one of those key things about the doctrine of justification being that your faith has to have grounds in it and you know has to be the righteousness of Christ the atonement so on one hand we could be like there's no way it's before that but with this being an allegory what does bunyan call it does he call it an allegory allegory he does
0: my similitude of a dream
1: okay similitude of a dream the the one thing about it though is that it's it's a similitude and things like that, so things are not going to be apples to apples. With that being said, there are some things before this chapter that would at least give a slight indication that he was saved before this time. Now, Bunyan would never say that a person is saved before placing faith in, in the fulfillment of Christ, fulfilling mm-hmm. the law. But, I mean, with it being a similitude, well... There are some things in chapter two, especially after he goes through the Wicked Gate, he comes across Interpreter. Right. Interpreter is going to point him in the right direction. And even the dreams that we were talking about last week, the the responses that Christian had are responses that a Christian has, one Mm -hmm. who has been born again. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and, and as I'm talking, I'm thinking, well, maybe... Is, is Bunyan indicating um, um, a rough ordo salutis where regeneration precedes justification and there's um, work of a new heart that has come in before justification? Probably not, but.
0: <laughs> this is getting wild. You at least got to. <laughs> this you, is getting wild at 5 a.m. <laughs> you,
1: uh, you at least have to entertain the thought. I mean, think of this. Danny, you could probably pull up some quotes, too, of things that we've read from from the dreams that a christian would say one of them though is you know after interpreter shows him all the dreams then said the interpreter to christian hast thou considered all these things christian said yes and they put me in hope and fear it's before he gets to the cross it's before his burden falls off he's still saying those things right so, I, at the very least, I'll say this. I don't have a conclusion. My con- in fact, I do. If I did, it'd be chapter three. But, at the very least, we can't shoot the theory down as if it's just ludicrous. Dumb. Which Danny does. Basically. basically. <laughs> but there are some, you know. That's just Danny for you, though. It's, it's, it's either not, stupid or it's not, if, if you're Danny. That's
2: right. <laughs> It's it's there's some who say it 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 could be slightly autobiographical, right? And yeah, from Bunyan's sense, yeah, where you know he didn't he struggled with assurance, you know, at, for for a while, and so it may not be him saying, "This is how it happens every time," right,
0: right, right, right.
2: Or rather, more descriptive. You know, we if if we're we don't like to separate. You know, there's a logical order of salvation, but we don't like to separate that with a lot of time right. in reality. Right. That's uh, where, but when you're in where an allegory, I wanted to go with it. Yeah. This is where I wanted to go with it. Will you go take us there? <clears throat>
0: By the way, Cole, I'm feeling much better than, than the last recording. You
1: sound way better. <laughs> I thought of how you were talking the last time yesterday and I laughed out loud by myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, says in this chapter, right? Yeah, I was this
0: I was I was basically sick last time.
2: Oh no. Uh
0: um we don't have to bring this up again, but I'm allergic to grass.
2: Okay.
3: Uh
0: and so I had spent the night previously um out at Matt Morgart's house and um we were playing Spike ball in his yard, I'm pretty sure he cut his grass earlier that day.
2: Did you do some diving yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah and i d- I took a shower and everything i didn't I didn't feel any symptoms before going to bed, but then when I woke up to come to the podcast, I'm like, oh, this is bad anyway, but I'm back at it no that's what i would that's what I would say on on uh on the question uh there's there's a couple ways um to look at it i would look at it that way in that i don't think bunyan's being very particular about um uh the trying to demonstrate an allegory the logical uh you know the logical chain of salvation or succession of events in salvation um And you could say what happened, you know, uh, and so much of salvation happens at the same time um, or happens over experientially over a period of time. Um, But I do, another way to think about it or another, I think the way I read Pilgrim's Progress is like, you can be saying Christian things on the way to becoming a Christian. It's like, Um, it's like there's it's like oh he's very it's like you hear uh, like another way to phrase it or you talk to somebody or um, or in reading I I don't even know where uh, I can't think of the scripture reference right now Um, but talking to someone or evangelizing and be like oh they're so close it's like oh they're they're knocking on the door of the kingdom it's like they're you see, um, it's like the Lord is leading you on the path to faith. <clears throat> and so, if, if that's happening, someone's going to start sounding more and more and more like a Christian. Um, some people's testimonies, I think it's clearly, the way I read Pilgrim's Progress, it's clearly... When he looks upon the cross and his burdens removed, there's nothing more clear that that's salvation. It's like, um, you know, to me, it's just like, oh, that's obvious. Um, some people's some people's testimony though, is that it's like, oh, yes, that they they remember a definite moment or a definite, um, you know, the their moment of faith or the time of regeneration is clear to them other people it's a long sustained period of time that they're like you know i'm not exactly sure when this it within this time period i was saved but they went from no faith to faith and um in that yeah they went from no faith to faith
3: hmm.
0: and so um you know both christian testimonies are legitimate um but if I'm weighing in, I'm picking when he looked upon the cross and saw the the man hanging there, and his burden was removed. I mean, that's that's salvation, no way about it. No, no, uh, no way around that.
2: Right. If there's a, yeah. if there's any debate, it ends at the cross for, yeah, absolutely. for certain. absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: But it's, it's just, I think it's part part of part of it is the allegory right right and it's part of what i appreciate about this work as as i read it it, it just it, it kept reminding me of the feeding of the 5000 like allegory is such a, a simplistic mm-hmm. form mm-hmm. you know like if you read lord of the rings jrr R. tolkien introduces it and he's and it, one of the first things he says is all right guys this is not an allegory i don't like allegories yeah. So don't call. Don't try to fit. Try to you know, fit, like yeah. don't try to make my story an allegory. It's not. It's a story. Uh, but what it is is it's it's just a simple tool, and it, to me, it's just like Bunyan presenting Jesus with his lunch, with his you know his loaves and fish. Yeah, yeah. Something that has no right to be so incredibly deep and profitable, and he and he presents it to Christ, and Christ just Jesus has blessed it. And for for four hundred almost four hundred years, Christians have been feasting on it, and there's there's baskets left over. But there are shortcomings and limitations to allegories, you know. And one of the, one of those is when you try to press them too far or to torture right. them. Try, try to yeah, that's good. And you try to line them up, you know piece by piece this is this and this is this like it's a this try to make this allegory puzzle. a systematic theology right. or a, you yeah. know yeah. jigsaw
0: puzzle yeah. to fit yeah. everything that's actually that's absolutely yeah. right
2: yeah
1: that's a good way to put that with the feeding of the five thousand, though because it's so true and you know we we can think of what was going through bunyan's mind in this but what when i'm thinking of the things that christian said about the dreams and the interpretations of the dreams and stuff. That is the hardest thing that fits before the cross for me. There's other things that Christian says before the cross. It's like, yeah, that's a person coming to conversion. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing is the dreams, but we could think of why Bunyan put some of those dr- those dreams before the cross and all that. truth is, he was probably like, you know what? This is maybe not the best place to put it systematically when it comes to a systematic theology, but it's best place for the story.
2: And so yeah, and I I, mean, I think, I don't know, It's it just depends on how you take it. I, there are several moments in my life, and, and especially one post-salvation in particular, that I can think that I was really at the foot of the cross in a new way where I understood it to a, a different yeah. depth. Yeah. And the burden that I put back on was taken off. Mm-hmm. Because I, I understood it to in a new way, and so yeah, I don't have you know I don't have a, any any problem if someone says once you've entered in the sheep gate, you know Jesus is the door, right? Jesus is the gate. I don't have a problem if someone says that you know if Christian had been slain in between entering in the sheep gate and going to the cross that he would have gone to the celestial city uh, as long as it's understood understood rightly, you know, that it was right, faith right, given right. to him by by God right. outside of himself that he hadn't even, you know, fully sussed out yet. Um, obviously, I think the the cross being more central, you know, I think that, you know, I was reading some of what Spurgeon said uh, Someone posted a little thing Spurgeon put on there about you know shouldn't evangelist have pointed Christian to the cross rather than the gate you know evangelist pointed him like the the sheep gate
0: yeah yeah
2: and so that's we're getting into the torturing the allegory again yeah. but I I think that there there is different depths along the pilgrim highway that that we. The benefits of our salvation are applied and yeah. anew and afresh yeah. and to a deeper level.
0: Well, that's that's what that's what I love about this book. Um, is it's not an explanation on. Um, this is a book about Christians' journey from uh, from the city of destruction being lost as a goose uh, comes under conviction of sin by reading the word all, now all the way to the celestial city so we get it's, a, it's an allegory of the Christian life uh, with heavy inspiration from Bunyan's own autobiography from Bunyan, Bunyan's own life but it puts it to us experientially it puts it to us as it's, as it, as it, as Christian in the allegory is experiencing it. Um, so it's not, this isn't a book that I hand somebody in, um, in the, kind of the heat of a evangelistic, um, uh, evangelistic conversation or relationship. It's not, this isn't a book on how to get saved. So this isn't, um. An explanation of what you must do to be saved. This is a explanation of it's it's not not bigger than that. As in, it's more important than that. But it's bigger than that, and then it's covering a lot more material.
2: It's broader it's than. It's
0: broader that. than yeah. that. Yeah, it's way. It's much more broader. It's it's broader than that. Yeah. And it's it's the reason why Christians have read it so much is because. Um, uh, like that's where I think the allegory has extra has its strength is because it's not laid out in systematic form. It's laid out as it's experienced. And I think that so many people actually relate to it. Mm. Um, there's so many people, so many Christians actually relate to, um, you know, sections of, um, you know, being distracted by the way, being distracted, you know, um, being, uh, tempted with morality or legality along the way, being, um, um, so many people relate to experientially, so many Christians relate to experientially, um, they're, you know, being free of their burden coming, you know, coming to faith, um, or starting their Christian journey. It's like. You know, waking up to the realities of the gospel, and there's so many different elements—not all of them, but so many different elements—that that, that they're reading about Christians' journey, and they're like, "Yeah, that's me. That that's me." So many times. Um, I think that's the beauty of it: is, is that it's not laid out in systematic form. So yes, allegories have limitations, but that's kind of what um, Cole and I talked about in the in the. Uh, author's apology at the beginning. Bunyan's even saying that because as he's written it, before it was even published, that's the criticism he was getting. Like, well, why don't you just come out with it? Like, why don't you just write in systematic form what you're trying to communicate? And he was just like, that's not the purpose of this book. And so he's given a defense for this sort of, he was like, no, look, Christ taught in parables. Christ taught Jesus Christ taught through stories, and there's value in that. Just as there's value in, in just coming out with it, um, and so it's, you know, I think that's the, I think that that's, the strength in that it, it gives you something to identify with experientially, and it's showing you, um, what the Christian life may look like experientially, not in. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of doctrine in here. There's plenty of truth in here. But that's not um, pri- primarily the purpose of the book. Mm. It's to show um, ways that this truth is to show by story a way that this truth is lived or what how truth helps a Christian throughout the Christian life.
1: And the thing with those uh those things too that you just were talking about. You know, why is it not a systematic theology? What Bunyan could say to that is if you want a systematic theology, you can read Thomas Watson's Body of Divinity. There's another Puritan. Hmm. Um, if you want to read something on salvation, grab one of John Owen's, you know, grand big volumes that he's probably written on it. Because that's the same time period that Bunyan is writing in. And so why write a systematic theology when there are so many other Puritans that are just writing bangers in systematic theology? That's answering all the questions and stuff. And and it's just not its purpose. Um another thing too, when we're come when we're talking about the Ordo Salutis, there's one thing called um logical and chronological order. Um in this case, both logically end chronologically something like regeneration precedes justification uh and logically you know since it's before we can start talking about the the time that it is elapsed between regeneration justification truth is in reality this order is like this Mm -hmm. right regeneration then justification if you read any kind of soteriology book nobody's going to say you know well, I'm not going to say nobody. Yeah, there are people. <laughs> there's who do. always somebody. There's oh, there's a decade between your regeneration and justification. You don't even know that you're regenerated yet. Uh, I, not really. You 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 are going to know because the moment you're regenerated, you're expressing faith in Christ, faith in the grounds of our justification, which is the atonement, the work of Christ, and we're justified. So it's it's not like. Regeneration, then wait a while, have these dreams where somebody interprets this for you, and then you're pointed in the right direction. Then you get to the cross. Oh, okay. And that's where it is. So logically we can talk about it in a story as Bunyan did in Pilgrim's Progress. Chronologically in reality, there is no that time that's elapsed between the two.
0: Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I think experientially. So yeah. Um, Justification and regeneration happen At the same time um, That there's no It's not that God is going to Declare us righteous um, But then us not be Regenerated Well actually some do Stipulate this they call it eternal Justification which I don't hold to you.
1: Um, Somebody like John Gill maybe Yeah um, uh,
0: I can't remember if he does Or not but that's only probably mainly because it's 5 a.m. Um,
2: <laughs> I can't remember not because it's 5 a.m., but because I genuinely don't know.
0: <laughs> I can't remember because I don't know.
2: That's exactly right. Uh,
0: that's, that's probably the better answer for me, too. Um, um, uh, but experientially, though, um, I've it's experientially though, people can be saved and not, not, um, quite realize that yet. Um, you know, kind of given the example of somebody, uh, kind of that I gave earlier that they're not sure exactly, you know, some people know the day, um, some people were converted. You're just like, Oh yeah, I was listening to this sermon. I was converted during that sermon. It's like, that's, Uh, Especially, like, uh, I think half of Reformed Christianity was saved by a Paul Washer sermon. Um, (laughs) 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 So many, so many stories. Uh, I mean, praise God. I mean, there's so many stories I hear that. Oh, yeah, I listened to a Paul Washer sermon, and and yeah, I was saved after that. It's just clear in their minds. Other other people I mean there's so many testimonies here I mean, we've been doing so many baptisms over the last two years at the church.
1: Paul Washer they- <laughs> So now listen to Paul Washer
0: <laughs> hey it's funny but praise God I mean Amen. Uh, I mean he's being uh, he, he really is somebody that thinks being used really. used of the Lord so there's that there's a lot of those but then there's a lot of yeah, I'm not exactly sure exactly when I was saved. It's like, yeah, over the, the, God's been dealing with me over the last year. I know I have faith now. When did that exactly happen? You know, I can't pinpoint a day, mm-hmm. but uh, a year ago, i you know, a year ago I was lost far from God, but I've been brought near. Um, there's those testimonies too. So experientially, You know, you might not be able to point to your regeneration, other than the fact that you have been regenerated. Um, And that's what I think. um, uh, That's what I think Bunyan's doing. So can can we say, if we're trying to squeeze the allegory, can we say that Bunyan was being saved since? entering in the wicked gate, I I would, I would say we could, that, that that's as true of him fleeing the city of destruction, um, that he was being saved mm-hmm. even, even then. He was being drawn toward Christ. He was being drawn toward um, faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ even when he was convicted at the first reading of the scripture. Um, now, we know in salvation... And through through biblical teaching, that there are some that come to conviction but never repentance, and we know that like the parable of the sower, that there's seed that falls by way of the road on the rocks, and they never take root. And then there's other seed that spring up quick, and then they and then it it, it dies out before bearing fruit. And then there's other seed that um, actually takes root and sustains and produces. You know produces a crop or produces fruit, and that's an analogy of the gospel gospel work as well that look there's gonna be some you're gonna the the gospel's gonna go forth some time and not be received the gospel's gonna go forth some time, and some people may seem to initially believe, but they don't mm-hmm. and then it'll take root in some um you know there's all that too um but in the ones that it actually takes root in like in Christian you can say oh yeah he's being drawn to the lord from the very from the very moment he's he was convicted reading the scripture
2: and part of this i think is just like this what we've talked about so far is an example of the benefit of reading pilgrim's progress because it'll it just causes you to ask questions like this yeah and to yeah. dig in you know yeah. and it, especially like if you've never Read on the Ordo Salutis, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you're going to, yeah. yeah, there's going to be yeah, questions. Yeah. You're going to start yeah. digging in. And I
0: think, I think this is, uh, I think that this is something that's missing, changing, changing the subject just a little bit. Can y'all think of anyone who, I'm not talking about anyone writing, you know, Christian fiction or, I know that stuff is going on. Um, is anyone teaching? in or about this way today um what am I trying to get at here um we're especially in our circles systematic teaching is is abound like okay mm-hmm. we've we're we're fat with that and I love it I'm not criticizing that um I, I'm thrilled about that um I enjoy I genuinely enjoy reading that stuff um I don't even know what to call this. Uh, um, yeah. Is somebody, do y'all know of anyone teaching in this way? It's like by story or narrative or, uh, I hate to use a broad word like this, like creatively, like you can't be creative when it comes to just straight up. Theological, no, right? But y- y'all get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think this is a, something that's missing. um,
1: Doug Wilson is coming very close. There's a and there's a lot of stuff actually, from Cannon Press.
0: Actually, now that you mention it, his um, um, now I don't think he comes anywhere close to yeah. Yeah, we're not and we're I'm not putting him I'm on not, standard with that, and I'm not trying to say that somebody needs to to be profitable. That that's being unrealistic. I mean, how do you compete with a 400 year history of uh, being a bestseller, but some of his fiction stuff, um, is good. Although the, the distinction I would make is that like his stuff is, um, is more like a cultural worldview engagement. Uh, it's not like, like doctrine or Christian life stuff. It, It is in a way like his, um, uh, we'll probably get criticized for this, but I don't pay attention to Twitter anyway. But, um, <laughs> but like I read Ride Sally Ride by uh, or I listened to it.
1: Part a great book. By
0: Wilson, phenomenal book, phenomenal book. Um, I mean the dude is a gifted writer. If you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, it's not that long. But I was like hooked on that thing. Mm. Um. I binge listen to it for sure.
1: And I bring up Wilson because he might not have written something uh, like Pilgrim's Progress in the sense that it's a full doctrinal story. Yeah. But he has the ability to. Yeah. And he doesn't, and again, hear me out, nothing like a gold standard Pilgrim's Progress, but he still has that gear where he can shift to the just full allegory. Even how he speaks, if you listen to his – blog and may blog and stuff like that and man rampant just the way that he talks is artistic and in some sense allegorical, metaphorical.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's creative for sure. Uh Ride Sally Ride has a conversion experience in there. Mm. Um okay. and it and it it's pilgrim progress like in that this in the one character um you can you can see that um That she's processing, she's kind of processing Christianity and faith and, you know, uh, 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 why doesn't she believe, should she believe, It's you know, uh, all that sort of stuff. And so there are elements, uh, there are Pilgrim's Progress-like elements in there, actually.
1: It's, um, two get, it's two decades in the future, and a Christian college student named Ace Hartwick has destroyed, just destroyed his neighbor's so-called wife, actually a sex bot named Sally, and a trash compactor. Soon, Ace will be on trial for murder. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh wow! Yeah, so it's, it's like a-, a sequel to Pilgrim's Progress. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's um, uh, yeah, the book, the book caught um. Uh, a lot of flack. Book called a lot of flack because of the plot and stuff like that. It's really not that bad. Um, you know, the worst. The, um, the kind of the worst. It's really not that bad, and after the first chapter, um, like no it's like anything that could this any edginess is over by the first chapter in regards to the um kind of the the plot or narrative so it's not it's not as bad as what the marketing makes it look like but that's that's a good that's good that you bring that up somebody else that somebody else that's written on um or another book that comes to mind is actually one of my favorite books is Rosaria Butterfield's, uh, I think it's called secret thoughts of an unlikely convert. Um, and basically it's her story of how she came to faith. Um, and, um, yeah, there's some elements of that too. It's kind of like, it's not just straight up autobiography, but it's, um, and it's factual. It's not. It's not a allegory. So it's different in that way. But there's a lot of there's same thing. It's just like oh, there's she's teaching Christian truth, but through her own story and mm-hmm. how she came to faith and things like that. And she's also teaching about the the vanity or the emptiness of because um, she was uh, converted, um, uh, converted out of or she. Yeah, she was converted out of um, uh, LGBT lifestyle, uh, tenured professor at Syracuse, I think. She was like a uh, gender studies professor in literature and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, that's a a gripping book as well that um, really communicates, really helped me think through and understand what the Bible does say about those issues, uh, you know, gender, sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not a book really about that. Mm. It's a book about coming to Christ. Um, and so there's another, there's another example of it, but I think, I think this kind of writing is missing and I'm not the one gifted to do it. Uh, but there's a niche here and uh, I don't put too much stock in stuff like this, <clears throat> but I was reading somebody, I can't even remember who, recently, and they were kind of making this, um, they were kind of making the case of um, different communication is needed for different generations or different time periods and things like that. <clears throat> um, and uh, they were kind of making the argument of of needing this sort of, um uh, kind of this sort of this sort of writing or this sort of teaching it's like it, it it wasn't like consumer minded like oh well this is what people like to read then we need to just write you know christian truth in this in this format um no it's like uh, the argument was deeper than that it's like okay the the western mind is kind of changing it's not okay give me the logical argument and then that's all I need, and we can hash that out. Um, but there needs to be um, uh, kind of the – I don't want to say emotional. I'll say experiential. It's like um, a different angle, different form, a different um, – because that's that's how, especially the newer generations, they're, they're thinking. Like that's the um, – but it wasn't just straight consumeristic, like, oh, we'll just do it in TikTok or, you know, package it in a cartoon. It wasn't that, it wasn't that simple. It was, no, there's, there's, you know, the, the mind is changing. It's like the Western mind is changing toward, um, uh, you know, toward narrative and story rather than systematic explanation. I thought that was interesting. But, again, I don't put too much stock in that.
2: I I mean, I think it's interesting that that's how God presents his word. It's in, yep. not allegory, but in story. Yeah. In narrative, you know, you don't find a lot of treaties. Uh, find... A lot of narrative, yeah, in in scripture. Truly really good point.
0: With the, with the exception of epistles, but yeah. epistles were even personal letters or personal. Yeah, writing. right. They weren't was, just like
2: this is yeah. to the world. It's right. it's the epistle of Paul to the Romans. Yeah, you know, and yeah. so there's yeah. even there's e- even in something about you know, writing about salvation or, or these things. There's still there's still ki- Characters, You know, there's there's still a, a, a narrative portion of yeah. it, you know, or just right. knowing yeah. that he wrote. Like, how much do we get out of the fact that, you know, Paul wrote some of these letters while he's in prison? Yeah. You know, yeah, that you wouldn't get from a raw.
0: Yeah, it's revelation taking place in real time in history mm. that's recorded. It's not uh, it's not an independent diatribe in a vacuum. Right. Look at Second um, Corinthians. Me, yeah.
1: Look at Second Corinthians. You know, if you treat an epistle as, as that, you're going to miss a lot of Second Corinthians. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, we Reformed folk love to preach through the epistles. And often, speaking um, probably overly simplistically here, we forget about the historical books. Um, and we think about maybe not even the pastors, but just readers. Um, Danny, you talking about our day and age. It seems, I, I know of, I, can, I, I perceive the inability of, of the average reader to get the heart of the story. So when they're reading the historical books, they're missing the heart of, say, Second Samuel, for example. We've almost, in our day and age, lost the ability to read history in a meaningful way or even in the way that the Holy Spirit intended for it to be read and um, we miss the intentions, we miss the meaning, we miss the purpose of those things and i'm I'm saying that because I'm speaking for myself. I just finished a class on the historical books in the Old Testament, and that's what is that It's narrative it's story mm-hmm. it's it's not allegory it's it's reality, historical facts, but so often I've read through the historical books, which starts with we would say um joshua and ends with uh you know esther in our canon but really ends with nehemiah or chronicles depending on what canonical order you read it in but so often i've read those books as oh this is just something that happened to pass you have a bad king here after that comes another bad king after that comes another bad king okay cool historical fact after historical fact after historical fact One good actually, king what? Then a good king. Then a good king from Judah. <laughs> so there's a, uh, uh, And then the ultimate good king came. Okay, yeah. historical facts. Yes, we're to read that as historical fact, but when you start piecing this together and you start seeing what's going on here, there's actually a question that's being answered. First off, there's a need that's revealed. The need is we need a king. Yeah. Second off, man comes along and tries to... to fulfill that need for himself and he chooses sinfully based off of the outward appearance so he chooses Saul yeah which the hebrew word for to ask is actually sha'al which sounds very very familiar with Saul so Saul is actually named and his name signifies sinful choosing of man okay so man sinfully chooses but we see that god has promised to choose himself a king for his people And that. So when you start piecing all that stuff together, wait a minute, we're reading these things, these historical facts, not just as historical reality, but also with a purpose behind it. Right. To circle that back around to Pilgrim's Progress. There's on one hand, it is um, just a thing that is entertaining. Like it really grabs a hold of our minds in a special way. We've talked about that. That's,
0: that's okay, you just hit the nail on the head right there.
1: On the other hand, it's so foreign to us, we're not used to it. Now, this is easier than like just historical reality that I'm talking about, so it's not apples to apples of what I'm talking about. But like we're, we're not used to things like this. Or, I mean, you think about like the average person in our culture, oh, I'd just rather watch a, the movie version of it. You know, just give me the movie version. I won't go down that road too far, but um, in bringing this back to our first conversation, we got to see the purpose of the author instead of just instead of just reducing it down to historical reality of this person named Christian who actually lived in the city of destruction. Right, right, oh right. well, how do we base this off of our orthosalutis things like that? The intentions of bunyan behind yeah. this and things yeah. that going on. Um uh, don't let me cut you off on this. No, no, that's good. Uh, a segue to the the chapter itself which we have plenty of time to get to talk to. It's a shorter chapter. A lot of just great quotes in the first part of this chapter that I'm sure we're all waiting to to mention here and read. But a segue into this one word that is kind of scary to us, but is something that you kind of mentioned when you were talking about the process of being saved. First mm-hmm. off, that's a biblical word. Yeah, Paul uses it several times. Uses it, um, I think. In second, uh, first comes to mind. Second Corinthians chapter two. You know, the aroma of Christ is a, um, a good smell to those who are sozomenoi, those who are being saved. You know, that's a scary mm. word to us who try to hold on to this precise, systematic wording. Wait, wait a minute. Well, here's another scary word for you. Preparatory grace. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I don't, I'm no Puritan historian, but I want to say that somebody, maybe in our sociology class, mm. the word was mentioned that the Puritans wrote a lot about preparatory yep. grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And maybe, <clears throat> you know, maybe Bunyan is not... Um, having an issue fitting things in logical order here. Maybe he's intentionally talking about a preparatory grace, right? If that's, that takes a long yeah, period
0: of time. That's a good. Um, that's a good uh, teaching to point to of what I was trying to explain. Of like, okay, when someone's becoming a Christian, they're they're going to s- sound more and more <laughs> sound more and more like a Christian without it's being like, a Christian yet. Right, right. That that's a lot of. Uh, groundwork that the Lord is doing a lot of preparatory grace that he's I mean he's drawing them is bringing them to salvation that's a good kind of uh or consolidator condensed teaching or a good label to point to what I was trying to explain earlier but but go on
1: no that's that's all I have to say on that yeah. um, preparatory grace yeah. is a term that I was uncomfortable with what do you mean preparatory grace? I thought it's a clear, cut-and-dry e- order. It's
0: either saving grace or it's not.
1: Yeah. It, you're either saved by grace or you you have no grace at all. When and, and we think of irresistible grace. So whenever you see God's grace, boom, you fall to your face immediately. When actually it's not always that cut-and-dry. Yeah. Grace is irresistible when it's effectual. Right. right. When the Holy Spirit has given you effectual grace, um, which – I don't want to chase too much of a rabbit, but we can't forget about things like common grace. Right. We're not speaking of common grace when we're talking about irresistible grace, and preparatory grace leads to the irresistible grace, and it's actually, if not twin sisters with irresistible grace, right. is right. closely related to irresistible grace. But it's a it's a process in which a person is being led. To salvation, yeah, in an not infallible, in an indestructible, unfailing way, yeah. Where Danny has not been saved yet, and he's being led to this, and in that process, he's starting to say more and more uh, things that are like, "Whoa, Danny's getting ready." You know, he was a terrible person before, but he's starting to show signs of this, or Danny is starting to see the conviction of his sin. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the. Do you have you seen that in your ministry of of men uh, who are just being seem to be prepared for grace and they've come to grace?
2: Yeah, but you you can only label it that in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You yeah. you have no way of knowing you know whether it's preparatory or it's just uh, further light that you're going to reject and sin against. And you'll be judged for on the last day. Right. Uh, right. W- once a person has come, you know, you can only know the difference to, once someone comes to faith. You can definitely see, and it's a it's a, a joyous thing to see someone who was cold at one point asking questions. You know, someone who's uh, distant or uninvolved or uninterested, all of a sudden engaged, and not that. Not that they've come to the point of conversion or application or regeneration, but you can see stirrings. You see evidence that they start to ask questions that people don't ask unless the Holy Spirit is working in their hearts. And I think you can call that preparatory grace. And But we can't be satisfied with it because it only becomes preparatory when it is accompanied by salvation, right? So, uh, yeah, it is a. It is not. It's not naked or by itself. Usually, you know, usually there is a preparation before you get to conversion. Usually, there is a, a time of struggle. Usually, there's a time where you're under conviction and your burden is growing uh, before before you you're saved. I know that there are stories down through history of, yeah. you know, sort of being more spontaneous. Uh, Paul,
0: apostle, Paul on the apostle road to Damascus. Yeah. yeah there's, there's. Um, he
1: wouldn't prepare for that, brother.
0: The the Lord doesn't stay, save in cookie cutter form.
1: Right. That's a, um,
0: that, I mean, that's.
1: That's a hard truth. Uh, I,
0: I, I mean, I think it's a great truth. Yeah. Yes. I mean,
1: it's, it's a, a hard truth cutter. for somebody who's read so many six theologies that they're opening their book up. Okay. Yeah. You're a step, you're this step. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, um, you know, not, I don't want to get off on this rabbit trail. Um, but there's two ditches, there's two ditches to that reality. There's the one of the easy believe his home. Uh, okay. This is how to get people saved. Let's, you know, if they're, if they're sensitive or convicted under their sin let's get them to you know pray this prayer um and now they're saved mm-hmm. it's just like okay that's trying to fit a cookie cutter yes you know that's trying to fit a cookie cutter um and i'm not saying that okay let me just be clear so there our podcast doesn't get cancelled there is one way of salvation <laughs> <laughs> There is one way of <laughs> there is one way of salvation.
2: I mean some there's, is some is through Jesus, some you know <laughs> might call him
0: <laughs> There is one way of salvation. Uh you know, Jesus Christ is the the uh the narrow gate, the narrow way. He's the way, truth, and life. No one, none come to the Father but by him. Uh the gospel of Christ is the only way of salvation. This little public service announcement there. Uh, Oof, but, I'm so but, glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, I was yeah,
1: starting to was think 30, that Danny yeah. was falling in heresy. Yeah. Yeah. I, was about,
0: I, was, I was about to get, get, uh, get shown the door. Um, coffee? Coffee? No, I'm just going to put on the warmer if you didn't want it. I'm good. You um, don't want But it's, uh, ex, it's experienced. What we've been talking about is okay, the Gospel comes to someone, and what happens to their life? That's a glorious thing. It's like there's so much um variant there of okay, how is it experienced, how is it received mm, um, mm-hmm. um how you know um, you know God doesn't save uh you know God, God saves people, and He doesn't save, you know, just copies of individuals. He saves yeah. uh, real people that are living real lives, and so it's going to be experienced in in incredibly different ways. So the other the other side of that ditch is, um, in our chapter, Lord, <laughs> if we if we ever get to it, in our chapter, uh, we're gonna see um uh um at the uh the man I can't even think of his name the porter's house the porter
2: well this um, this, this uh this is.
0: the poor uh what's his name um anyway at the porter's house i can't think of his name but he brings in three daughters and one's Uh, prudence, wisdom, and watchful, watchful, watchful. So basically they're, they're asking him questions, basically seeing, okay, is this guy, you know, he's browning in the house, but let's see if he's legit.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, um, Christians need to do that for other people professing Christ, not in some sort of like, um, you know, um, hard, you know, Hardcore test or examination, in the sense, in the sense of like, oh hi, Wes, nice to meet you. Um, well, I need to sit here and find out if you're a genuine Christian or not. Uh, not in that rigid way, but Christians should practice prudence, especially pastors need to practice prudence in eva- in evaluating someone's testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what happens in our chapter, and I think that that's good and wise and biblical and and, and all that sort of stuff um, but we can go too far in that side of the ditch and say okay this is what um, this is what is kind of like a with checkbox or descriptors and say well Christian testimony has to um, has to have all these things or it's not a genuine Christian testimony now of course it, it needs to, as demonstrated by scripture and as dim- as is demonstrated in our narrative here um we need to see things like um you know repentance of sin and faith in Christ not faith in their own works there's there's essential ingredients to to faith to belief upon the gospel but if we're looking for um you know some people are like I've seen some people. It's like, well, if you don't know the if you don't know the day, if you don't know the hour, then I don't, I'm not yeah. sure if you know. I don't. Are you even really saved? It's just like, well, yeah.
2: Look. You need to. You need to know the date. You need yeah. to be able to take me to the aisle. You walked down. You need to remember the hymn that was playing as you went to walk forward. You need to, you know. Yeah. So
1: yeah. I yeah. cherish the old yeah. and wrong. Keep going. No
0: it's... <laughs> Uh, don't no, stop it's
1: um i've heard people say you need to put the date in your bible that way you, when you're struggling with an assurance you can look at that date to remember when you were safe which is <laughs> I, I wish i wish I've, the viewers could see danny's yeah, face that he just yeah. made.
0: <laughs> now there is there is something to um remembering your baptism
1: for sure, Romans yeah. chapter six. Yeah, Romans, Romans six, chapter six. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There is something. Yes. There is something there. Hey, remember what you were baptized into? Remember. Yes. You know.
2: How uh, would you remember that? I thought y'all were reformed. Don't you baptize babies? <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, we did. We did mention a Doug Wilson book. Yeah. Already, so. That's right. People, people might people might get confused. We, <laughs> and, yeah.
1: we kept reforming. Oh
0: that, there you go it, nah man, our audience is so small we keep alienating. <laughs> hey if
1: you're a Presbyterian, and you're listening to this, I love you please listen. please keep listening we could we could have a great conversation. I'm not trying to cause war with you
0: uh man hey la last la- real quick last note it it will take five seconds um yeah, yeah, um, I think that <clears throat> maybe I'm completely wrong in this, uh. But on the on the note of like this kind of, um, uh, kind of the more emphasis on narrative. Um, uh, I can't think of incredibly strong examples of narrative preaching. Um, this has been. I'm not saying that it's not out there. This isn't a criticism of like broader Christianity or even our circles of of Reformed Christianity. Um it's just an area that I haven't had much exposure to and an area that recently I've been very like, oh, this is it's like I'm incredibly weak in preaching narrative.
2: Preaching sections of narrative scripture? Yes. Mm.
0: Yes. Um
1: That's why you preached what you preached last time.
0: Well, I would I joined this preaching group that um, basically we work on uh, it's kind of like a, a sermon workshop but we've been meeting once a month for eight months and that's what it was on like this is how I came to realize that that's what it was on is preaching narrative and now I'm not the I'm not um, I love preaching I think I'm an adequate preacher is that my strength no um, but part of that is i don't preach on a regular enough occasion to have gotten good at it yet if i can get good
2: at it i think most sermon instructional books and and uh structures for sermon building are written with paul in mind preaching through the the epistles Mm -hmm. preaching through you know and so you know you got your one point you don't want to you know you got it Reinforce it three ways, you know. Yeah, and that's uh, that's especially suited for Paul, you know, and, and for some of these more straightforward epistles that are you got a theological idea, you know, you got a truth that's presented. So that's your that's your heading. Whereas you know, when you're going through the narrative, yeah, there's going to be you know you want to slot you want to pick off a section that that's talking about the same thing same part of the story, what's the main point, why is this in the narrative account, why did God preserve it, all of that, but it's not so yeah. straightforward in sometimes how you, how you get there, you yeah. know, like, it's, it it's a lot easier when you're preaching David and Goliath, right, like, you know, that's pretty, preach David, what happened in history to Israel, and then all of a sudden you're just, you're talking we're, about we're Jesus, David right? We're you know? David right that's right,
1: yeah. You're not David,
2: <laughs> Matt Chandler.
1: <laughs> you're not David.
2: But that you know, there's there's it's it's a little different when you're talking about Saul tearing Samuel's garment. You know, there's yeah. there's just yeah, and, and I love it. I I I love like preaching through the narrative yeah. portions. It, it, that's what's invigorating. That's what I've me.
0: committed. That's what I've committed myself to. in my, in my life, I try to do this. It was like, Oh, you found out, you find out if I find out I'm really not good at something. It's like, okay, that's the thing I'm going to do. Just do it. Keep doing it. That's the thing I'm going to do. So all the preaching opportunities I've gotten, um, I'm finding narrative. If I'm developing a new sermon, I'm going to, I'm going to be doing it in a narrative portion of scripture. Mm. Um, but I'll go beyond what a little bit beyond what you're saying. Um, We love expository preaching. I think that expository preaching applies to whatever type, whatever genre of scripture it is. You should preach it expositorially from the text. But oftentimes, expository preaching is is described as uh, uh, word by word, verse by verse, line by line. um, And that doesn't work in narratives. This is my hot take of the day. Um, verse by verse preaching does not work in narratives. Um, you need to be preaching uh, probably chapter by chapter mm. in, in narratives um, in historical books or narratives. It's like you can't um, or else you're actually going to miss it. You're actually going to miss it. You're going to miss. Um, uh, yeah, you're going to miss narrative is in narratives. You preach the forest and epistles. You preach the
2: trees, yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be like, sit down, and you're going to you you you're going to preach through First Chronicles. You know, are you are you going to look up the the definition of every Hebrew name in the genealogies and try to you know, okay, we're doing going through verse verses uh <laughs> chapter one verse verse fifteen today, yeah, fifteen yeah. Yeah. a <laughs> for this sermon next week fifteen b fifteen a
0: one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that can't happen. Yeah, cannot happen. Pilgrim's Progress, Chapter (laughs) Three. I hate to be the Debbie Downer, but we got to get to the content. Uh, This
2: is an illustration of the profitability of Pilgrim's Progress, though, and narrative teaching because all of this is applicable to the chapter, and this is just yeah, yeah. That's I think it's why it's so, so beneficial because it gets you to thinking about these things and gets you to talking about them.
1: Which would go to show, you know, maybe one of the best ways to read Pilgrim's Progress is to read it in a group. Mm. And then you get together and talk about it. Because, it, yeah, like you're saying, we, quote-unquote, chased rabbits from this, though. This jogged our mind to thinking in that direction of just how much is this. And, you know, connecting it with the Word of Salutis and just so much that there could be spoken of with well, this.
0: Let's get into it, though, because there's an amazing description of um, there's an amazing description. Like what what Bunyan feels at the cross. Mm. It's like I read it. I'm like, oh, amen. Mm-hmm. It's like that's like it stirred up the joy of my salvation. And and remembering, yeah, I'm 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 free from sin. I'm free from sin. Looking upon Christ on the cross. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing.
1: Now I saw in my dream first sentence of chapter three that the highway up which christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall and that wall was called salvation up this way therefore did christian uh did burdened christian run but not without great difficulty because the load on his back i want to stop right there in that first sentence and i want to point something out a lot.
0: You're gonna point out that I'm right.
1: <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of the descriptions and stuff, and a lot of the um, pilgrimage, almost, that Bunyan is speaking of, come from that th- those few chapters of Isaiah. So I want to say it's Isaiah 23, maybe Isaiah 24, that he got the term city of destruction. Um, I'm reading through Isaiah right now, which is what uh, caused me to realize this: that city of destruction and is near the Valley of Vision. So we think of Valley of Vision with the Puritans and and that work. Um, but the city of destruction is something that you know self explanatory that's going on in Isaiah chapter 24. Well, the wall and the way that he just spoke of is uh, in reference to Isaiah chapter 26. So a lot of his geography is coming from really that those short uh short dimensions of, of Isaiah there. And he's running, as I'm saying, up this way, therefore did burden burdened Christian. So he still has his burden on his back. He's running, but not without great difficulty. Because of the load on his back. Next quote. He ran thus. Till He came at a place somewhat ascending and upon that place stood a cross and a little below in the bottom a sepulcher so I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up with the cross his burden loosened from off his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble and so continued to do so till it came to the mouth of the sepulcher where it fell in, and I saw it no more. So simply explained and described there. But we got to talk about it. What's going on right there?
2: Well, I'd say this is the moment that most people, any christian is going to identify with that what happened in the cross is is you you see it as if for the first time you see it anew you see it afresh and it's not just it's not just the cross but it's mine it's 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 an ownership of it it's like it's It's for for me yeah Yeah. for me that's right and in in that moment you know because of preparatory grace that many of us experienced uh the 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 burden our burden increasing which is our sense of our sin the guilt of our sin that just keeps increasing the the closer we get we're more aware and all of a sudden there at the cross, our burden is lifted, mm. and it it's buried. Our sin is buried with Christ. Every last bit of it was was borne by Him, and the punishment was taken by Him, okay. and it is dead and gone, and never never to to be placed. Back on again, man. Come on. I just Amen. that's that's what I, you you can't read it. You can't. You, I, I I tried. I'd read it before bed, and I'd say, okay, I'm I'm just gonna read a chapter. And man, you just you start reading this, and you start thinking about your your salvation, and and it just I I can't read it before bed because I I get too stoked, and I I I don't go to bed, you know, yeah. because it's it's this this type of stuff. And that's what I was talking about. It's so simplistic. It, it is such a simple tool. It's a, such a simple description. Yeah. It has, and and yet and the profundity of it is just and it's so invigorating and and encouraging.
1: Yeah, man. We we always try to pay attention to the key details, and you, you just pointed out those details. Um, how he's going up the hill. The closer he gets, the heavier the burden is. Then it falls and is to be seen no more. If it falls into a sepulcher, sepulcher is this—a small room or monument cut in rock or built of stone in which a dead person is laid or buried. So the burden is laid to rest, buried, never to be seen again. But on the flips go ahead
0: yeah the the description of of or what bunyan describes his thoughts and feelings here it's like uh, amen Mm. it's just like i feel i think and feel every single one of these every single one of these things uh then he stood up um this is then was christian glad and lightsome and said with a merry heart He hath given me rest by his sorrow And life by his death Then he stood still a while and looked, to look and wonder For it was very surprising to him That the sight of the cross Should thus ease him of his burden He looked therefore and looked again Even till the springs that were in his head Sent the waters down his cheeks He glad and lightsome and it says surprised. It's just like, you know, just looking upon the cross, seeing that, um, it, and it's like, revelation filled his mind. It's just like, oh, he who has died on the cross by his sorrow has made me free, has made, it has made my burden disappear. It's just like everything made sense to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and he's, uh, he's rejoicing. He's praising. He's, he's he's giving praise and filled with delight over the fact that uh by by christ's death um he is free that's that that is salvation that is that is the gospel it's like that's the good news Mm. um I, i mean this is uh this is this is what it is by by his death we live um that's I mean, this this is why I like this book. I mean, it's uh, yeah, he's describing what I think about when I think about Christ, when I think about salvation. It's, it's so good.
1: Think about that paradox that you just read, though. He hath given me rest by his sorrow. Yeah. The man of sorrows made many men of joy and life by his death. He's given us life by his death. Um, Jonathan Edwards preaches a sermon on this, how he points out that, you know, he by being crushed, he defeated the the one, Yeah, you know, you, you think of Hebrews chapter two or chapter three, I believe is chapter two. Um, he himself likewise partook of these things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, yes. that is the devil, yes. and deliver all those who the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. By his death he has delivered us from our death. Man, think mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. The, I, I, it's so funny to me. I get a chuckle when certain people say, oh, religion was just created. to control men what man would create no man has think about this Just let's speak in human terms for a second no man has the literary eloquence and genius to be able to concoct such a story it has to be reality the historical fact that God became man and died that he might deliver those who were dead in their sins and subject to lifelong slavery by the
2: fear of death the gospel of grace is too good of news to have been created by man, man especially yes. for the purpose of control. Yes. yes, that's the one of the chief uh, criticisms of the gospel of grace is that there's not enough. It's got to be something else. You got you you have to have something else because right. I mean you know what's stopping a, a person from just taking advantage of that, right? Yeah. If yeah. if man had invented it, then it wouldn't be what it is Absolutely. because it's it's too free. Mm.
0: It's it's too perfect. Yes, it's too it's too complete. Perfect. Yes, yes, it's too it's too perfect. Um, it's like, yeah, there's no corruption in it. There's no imperfection in it. Uh, man can't do that. Man
2: there's do there's that. nothing lacking in it that yeah. is that requires you to complete it.
1: Yeah, right.
2: He
0: he. he he became on, on the note about the par the not paradoxes, <clears throat> but it's God, God working out salvation in in unexpected ways or what you would think would be counterintuitive. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Man,
1: come on, you can't uh, fathom that. Mm.
0: Uh, we yeah, defeating death by dying. It's like. Well, uh, this is the best news ever. I mean, this is this is the greatest news. This is That's the right. absolute greatest news.
1: And you think about it too. His eternal reign began at his death. Wow, yep. inaugurated at his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yep. and yep. And he he doesn't stop there. For it was very surprising to him, very surprising to Christian, that the sight of the cross. The sight of a cross, not just a cross, of course, the cross, um, where the wrath of God was poured out on the Son of God. The sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden. You think of Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Mm -hmm. And with his wounds... We are healed. The fact that he was wounded means that we are able to be healed. There's so much that I I get convicted for this, and I get especially convicted when we sit down to talk about it together and just really meditate on it and think of it. So often in my own daily reading, I read these things so flippantly and miss the gravity
2: of what I just read. Uh, e- either flippantly or academically. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. And and that's one of the things that I have to, I, I try to concentrate on as a as a preacher. I can't read it flippantly. I can't read it academically. And I can't read it for other people. Right. You know. Oh man. You know. So uh, and so so needs to needs to read this. You know that that or or whatever. You know. It's this is. God's word and and this is this is my salvation. Yeah. This is my Amen. hope, this is my life. Amen. Hmm. So we got through the first two or three paragraphs. Yeah.
0: Again again, this is what Pilgrim's Progress does. Hmm? This is what it. I think this is this is demonstrating now what we talked about for the last hour. It's like, okay, well what is it doing? Okay, yeah, it's talking about uh it's talking about salvation being in Christ, but it's talking about in a in a way that now our affections are stirred up not for Christian, not for Bunyan, not for Pilgrim's Progress, but now we're fellowshipping around uh our our conversation is now seasoned with, with a love for Christ.
2: Yeah. And it's why and it that, kept reminding yeah. me of the of the feeding of the five thousand. It's yeah. just you keep you keep coming back and you keep saying, Okay, now now I'm done, and it's just you're like, Okay, we're out of time, or you know, it's I'm I'm full and there's twelve baskets left over. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. Man, come yeah. on. John Gill says this, he sent his son in the fullness of time to execute this scheme. He sent him that is Christ in human nature, made under the law, subject to it, in the room instead steed of his people, and to yield a perfect obedience to it and he sent him in the likeness of sinful flesh with their sins imputed to him. And by making him a sacrifice for sin through his sufferings and death, he bore the penalty of the law that so the whole righteousness of the law or all it could demand, both with respect to precept and penalty, might be fulfilled in them, they being represented by him. That's what's taking place on the cross. You know, we we think of what, he said what Christian said, we think of him losing his burden. Think about what took place on that cross in order for the burden to even be able to be removed and taken away forever. The fulfillment of all the law by the Son of God, the perfectly righteous one, who took our sins upon himself and gave us his righteousness. You know, Danny, you, you just mentioned that earlier. Um, the text from Second Corinthians 5, he he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God.
2: Thinking about what it requires and, and we're going through Leviticus and, at our church and all the stipulations and the requirements of a sacrifice, they're specific. You know, it's not just you know, c- c- kill, some, kill an animal. Uh, you know, if you find an animal, you just come kill it. You know, and get, put some blood somewhere. Uh, you know, burn... Whatever you feel like, yeah. eat whatever you know. Yeah. I mean, every Tra- piece Go- of the sacrifice, is there's a requirement laid upon it, right? I trap think of a, that.
0: Trap a possum.
1: Right, right. I yeah. Think, yeah. No, no, no. I think of that, that quote from Shrek. That'll do, donkey. Yeah, there's that no that'll do.
2: do's in Leviticus, <laughs> right. okay? Find it's, a donkey. That'll do, yeah. donkey. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> You're talking about what's required for a Christian's burden to be lifted and done away with. Well, mm-hmm. that the sacrifice of Christ it it had to be eternally valuable, and so he he had to be God, but he had to be identified with those who sacrificed for. He has to be man. He has to fulfill everything that is written about him in the Old Covenant. He had to live perfectly. He he had to live in perfect obedience and submission to the Father's will. He then had to willingly lay down his life at the end Mm -hmm. of all that and not... Uh, shrink back but he had to go through with the sacrifice in the midst of it the blood has to be shed uh, all of all, all of that had to take place you're talking about what requires what's required for a christian's burden to be lifted it requires christ mm. and yeah. only christ because yeah. there's no there's no other thing that could could have released the burden off christians back amen than the cross of christ come on all the listeners that we
1: lost when they thought Danny was saying there's other ways for salvation. We just salvation. got him back. We baby. Just got them back. West Brown saved the day.
3: West
0: Brown, such but, good
1: stuff, man. That's uh, that's brought
0: the brought the the episode for the brink of death.
1: <laughs> no, 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 not the episode. The entire podcast. He saved classic cast. Oh man, we I mean, need our guests to if save I classic, saved it, classic. You're cast. in trouble, man. <laughs> so, so good, so good. John Gill says this. You know, you pointed out the the detail that the the burden fell in the sepulchre, never to be seen again. Gill says this: this act of justification, quote unquote, or in parentheses, it is irreversible, in an unalterable act. It is according to the immutable purpose and grace of God, which can never be frustrated. It is a part of that grace given and one of those spiritual blessings wherewith the elect were blessed in Christ before the world began. It is one of those things which God does and are forever. Neither the righteousness by which they are justified, nor the faith by which they receive the justifying righteousness from the Lord ever fails. The righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and faith fails not. Christ is the author and finisher of it. Drops the hammer Amen. down. That's right. Amen. Man, such good stuff. And we got to get this. We repeat this. We've repeated this a lot in the last few episodes. There's things that Bunyan says in this book that you have to get. Now, there are some quotes that he gives, and I think that's the beauty of art, that can be interpreted in different ways, both meaningful interpretations. Um, Dr. Bush and I talked about a certain interpretation of a quote Bunyan gave on a cup like that, that we both took in different ways, but they were both great. But there's certain details in this that there are no two different interpretations. Mm -hmm. That's right. You have to get the detail that he gives and that's it. So it's just, just good stuff. What's going on. So the angels come by and they, they, you know, drop their theological hammers themselves What's going on with these angels? What are they doing with, with Christian? I
0: think they're given... Um, uh, I think we can call them um, benefits or accompaniments to salvation. Um, so they... After, uh, so he's standing there weeping and three shining ones... <clears throat> come to him and and um, and they salute him and say peace be to thee uh, so they give a proclamation uh, the first says that um, his sins are forgiven so it's it's a declaration of hey your burdens you know declaration of what just happened his burden is free uh, the second stripped him of his rags and clothed him with a change of raiment so a change of garments, and there's probably references to um, um,
2: imputed righteousness. Zechariah right, 3, right, 4. Right.
0: Which says, did you look it up?
2: That's where Joshua the priest, mm-hmm. has, his garments have been stained. Satan accuses him. God provides him with. Raymond
0: with with new garments. And the angel
1: said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Yeah.
0: yeah. Then the third also said a mark on his forehead and gave him a roll with a seal upon it, which he bade him look on as he ran and that he should give it in at the celestial gate so there's three things that happen there um uh so uh, declaration that his sins are indeed gone um west pointed out that imputed righteousness so changing rags as um symbol of his state of sin to new clothes new robes uh new garment um to signify his new inward life. And then a seal, we can think of it as maybe uh, the seal, uh, the seal like we have the seal of the Holy Spirit uh, upon our head. Basically, it's a seal of, um, uh, a seal of keeping that um, it's like we're sealed for, we're sealed for the day of judgment. We're sealed. We're we're key. We're we're signified as okay. We're now the lords. We're now the kings. And then a scroll for the scroll of assurance. Um, those, so those three things are given, or four things: declaration, sins are forgiven, new uh, new clothing signifying the new inward life of righteousness, and then a seal upon his head. And the scroll of which we know is assurance. So
3: well, it's
0: what?
1: I would say the scroll is more than just assurance, the scroll um being the Holy Spirit himself, if I'm reading that right. Set a mark on a scroll, Gave him a roll with a seal upon it, which he bade him look on as he ran, and that he should give it in at the celestial gate. So that it's the seal itself, which comes from Ephesians one thirteen talking about in him also you hearing the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the holy spirit uh who is the guarantee of our inheritance
2: yeah so the it. seal okay. i would say is the holy spirit right but the scroll is oh, okay. something that he leaves behind right. in this very oh chapter. man man,
1: good point yes right. yes i'm wrong good point
2: yeah it, so that would yeah
1: so it would be our assurance well, yeah, maybe. I think you know, so. He gets Art.
2: a mark on his forehead. Yeah, you know that's the seal. Think, We're sealed okay. with yeah. the Holy yeah. Spirit. Yeah, right.
0: Good. And I think that uh, now this is milking too much out of the analogy that what should milk be, that cow. What should be there? Um, when I read this, I can't help but think that it's the same seal on the parch on the scroll uh, that is mm. on the forehead. So whatever the insignia is, whatever the seal is, whatever the mark is, mm-hmm. is on the is on the parchment. Um, so there's there because there's two sides of this. There's and of course, the seal on the forehead. I agree with Wes is, is we could make analogy to the Holy Spirit. Both things here. The idea is preservation. Um so we're, we're sealed and kept by the Holy spirit until glory, uh, and the spirits ever, ever present with us. But again, experientially, Oh, okay. So what, um, experientially, uh, uh, what's given to Christian to remind him of that, the, the scroll, which is, uh, which has the same seal on it. So it's pointing to the preservation of the spirit, uh, or the way I read it, uh, it, but the scroll is, the scroll is the assurance. Mm-hmm. Um, but both both things play a part in our preservation. Um. um not not that the assurance plays a, 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 a acting role, and that our assurance is acting upon our preservation, because as we as we're about to see, he leaves it behind. And I, I think so. Oftentimes, that's the that's a common Christian experience as well. It's just like, look, I was just saved three months ago. Why am I? Mm-hmm. Why am I doubting my salvation? Why why am I struggling with assurance? Um, it, and so, uh, so what do we do? We could talk about assurance probably more next time than this time. Um, but that's the personal. Or okay, well, so what do you do? So he looks at the scroll. Um, you know, he looks at the scroll for his for his assurance, and we right. we see that almost immediately.
2: So, uh, how long, Cole, is this podcast allowed to be?
0: Cole, Cole <laughs> whenever Cole has to leave for work, that's when we end. Okay. Well,
1: no. That's not when we have to end. You guys can keep going.
0: Yeah, I don't remember the the closeout. I don't know what to say other than roll with it.
1: Well, pfft, <laughs> you're just scared to do the rollout. <laughs> you can do it. You're just too scared to. <laughs> I, <don't> mean...
2: <laughs> I believe in you, Danny. Uh, um...
1: No, really, it can last. I don't care how long it lasts. I have to leave <laughs> at 7, but it can it can keep going. But something scares me about that question, though. I think you have a... Deep.
2: No, I time. just don't like there's there's so much good in this chapter. There's there's so I mean You're one of the just
0: asking when we have to cut it off. <laughs> no, I'm
2: I'm saying there I, there's a lot to be said yeah. left on this chapter. It could, last chapter. A, yeah. a long it, time could it has a potential. I just one of the as as we move and as you so you mentioned you know assurance and he's he's gonna he's gonna leave it behind there halfway up the, the hill of difficulty. But one of the if if we have to cut it off. I do want to note in reading this book, and especially this chapter, right after he experiences the cross, one of the first things that strikes you is how crowded the the pilgrim pathway is. Yeah, mm. But yep. it's crowded with people who are not true pilgrims. I think he runs into seven people in this chapter yeah. that are on the path that wind up in destruction he has the three that, are in chains, three that are in chains and he has formalist and hypocrisy and then the two at the top of the hill who are retreating who, r- who
0: run who from, run back yeah
2: so it is so crowded he runs into so many people that are on the pilgrim pathway who have not entered by the gate who are not progressing or who are going backwards and and so in the in the midst of this chapter that so boldly declares the completeness of our salvation in the cross, and that there is nothing left for us to do in order for us to save ourselves. We also get the emphasis that our the, our, the, our walk is not over at the cross, yeah, or or that our sanctification begins there, amen. We, when we begin amen. to walk, and so we can't we can't do what so many people accuse uh, Christianity of, of condoning. Which is come to the cross and then sit down or try to enter by a different way. Right. Or, you know, be satisfied with the progress we got, run into a few lions and say, no, we're going back. Yeah, I'm good. You got to keep, you have to keep going. Yeah.
1: And this is where the journey gets, where the pilgrimage gets difficult for a totally different reason. You know, at first it's difficult for him personally because he has a burden of sin on his back. Mm Mm-hmm. Now it becomes difficult for him because it's um, the temptation to go back to where he came from. But going back, it's going back to the city of destruction and lapsing from his faith, as we would say. So it's, it's difficult, and there's more difficulties in the rest of the story. That's, that
0: are, what I, that's what I love about the hill difficulty. It comes so quickly after yes. his, after the cross. Uh, it's like Bunyan writing this is making no question. Like there's no bones about it. It's like this isn't. Uh, it's the it's the narrow way, but it's not the easy way. Mm-hmm. Um, that oh okay well now everything's going to be peaches and cream now that his burden's lifted at the cross. It's like oh no. That that's why this brings us back to the interpreter's house where uh, he gave the he gave the the dream or the analogy. Of the man uh, fighting through the guards to get into mm-hmm. the to get into the palace, so, and and then uh, Bunyan, like we talked about, or Christian, as we talked about last week, he didn't even need an interpretation. He was just smiled and said, "Oh yeah, I I, I get
3: this one. <laughs>
0: I understand this one. We can move on. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we're good." Uh, just smiled and was like, "Yeah yeah yeah. Check. Got that one. Let's. I'm good to go on that one."
1: By the way, that's a good one to remember too, because that. That is one quick snapshot of what's going to happen for the rest of the book.
0: Basically. The
1: man with strong countenance getting into the kingdom. Yeah. Chopping and hacking Personally, away at all the people yeah. trying to hold him back. Yeah. yeah. Because that's, we, we talked about the the cross-reference to the Bible there shows that the things that we're to chop and hack at are tribulations. Yeah. So that's what the rest of the the book is about. Yeah. Chopping our way to the celestial gate. Um. You know, imagine this. Imagine we live in a place like Bunyan did, um, England, with so much physical persecution. You think of Bloody Mary. You think of things like that. Imagine advertising Christianity like that. It comes with its own advertisement. Hey, do you want to be a Christian? Here's all the persecution that comes for you. You know, we live in the Bible Belt, so clearly different sort of persecution on a different scale. So it's harder to advertise. It's harder to be honest about the tribulations that come with us. We go into greater depth. But imagine people being burned at the stake. You know, metaphorically, you got somebody, you got faithful standing behind you being burned at the stake and we're evangelizing to the lost. Hey, repent of your sins and believe in Christ. And then in doing so, they step into a life of that. Um, be a Christian, but just know that directly afterwards you have the hill of difficulty.
2: And after the hill of difficulty, there's, um, you know, a pathway of lions that you're going to have to cross. And those lions for Christian were chained up, you know, so the persecution in, in, in that time wasn't free, you know, that like it, it wasn't a, as as terrible as persecution can get you know during that moment the lions were chained but it's not always the case sometimes there are seasons into you know where the the lions are off and you still the pilgrim goes forward
1: yeah yes
2: and that's what i was just like talking about there's so much to talk about in this chapter because we know we get the picture of the church you know with the with the porter uh, you know, watchful. Uh, watchful calling out to Christian, you know, Christian looking and seeing. Oh, oh, there's the potential for persecution here. There's lions, uh, by by the pathway, and he goes in, and then it they do, they don't say, oh, you know, watchful doesn't say. I'm so glad you're here. Come in, hurry, hurry, come in, so I can count you and report you, yeah, you know, yeah. or whatever. No, he's first. He, you know, he has to ask him, and then his daughters, you know, piety and, and prudence and charity. They, yeah. you know, they come to to enter. They they ask him questions before he's in, allowed to enter in, and and we get to see all the encouragements that happen, you know, from being a part of the body of God and and from the, the truth and the and the picture that we get. Uh, of, of the encouragement of the church. Uh, anyway, it's, yeah, you're right, Cole.
0: Well, and those lions were put there by Watchful um, as a test. Mm. It's like, okay, well, uh, the, the way I read it is like the lions were always chained. The two guys, I don't remember their name, uh, the two guys that ran away
2: of timorous.
0: Yeah, timorous and uh anyway. <laughs> uh timorous and mistrust. They ran away not knowing that um you know the lines were chained up. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to get them anyway, but they were just like, "No, we're out. <laughs> we're, no, we're done with this."
2: Back down the hill.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where uh, Bunyan or Christian decides, you know what? I may get eaten by these lions, but, you know, I know I'm going to die if I go back to uh, the city of destruction. So mm-hmm. only thing to do is press on. If they eat me, they eat me. Turns out they're chained as a test by Watchful. Mm-hmm. They, were ne- they were never a true danger. Um, man, that's a good book.
1: easy to read quick to read so many deep truths jam-packed one thing that's you know the overarching or un-overarching one of the many overarching um, truths to this book is the progress of it as you mentioned the difficulties come after he loses the burden of course they're temporal difficulties um difficulties that, you know, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 8, they're not even going to compare to the future glory that we will have. You know, the present sufferings are nothing compared to the future glory. When he gets to the celestial city, he doesn't think, man, that was a close call like that. That was almost not worth it. Never comes across his mind to even think that. Um, But it's progress nonetheless. So often we forget about that. The Finneyism that has eaten up our land uh, for the past few hundred years or so. Finneyism. easy believism.
0: Oh, oh, okay, yeah, like Charles Finney.
1: Yeah. The easy believism, the the say the prayer and everything is good. We've lost the doctrine of sanctification. And because we've lost the doctrine of sanctification, we don't even know about the doctrine of glorification. Because our sanctification leads us to yearn for our glorification. Think of Romans chapter 8 again. You know, our present tribulations causing us to yearn for the future redemption of the sons, for the future redemption of the body. We've, we've narrowed everything down to justification. And by the way, our ju- doctrine of justification, our meaning, our culture's doctrine of justification is a bad doctrine of justification, a bad understanding of justification. Um the goal of the pastor in large is, you know, just preach this and get people to to believe and you're all good. You know, we have all these mega churches that are they, they view themselves as evangelical evangelism centers. Um you know the the thing of Elevation Church was pointed out and that nail was beat very much about how they came out with this flyer that said, we need your seat. What they meant was, if you're a believer already, we need you to leave. Because we need more unbelievers to come in so that we can preach this thing and get wait, them saved and then we're wait, good. Wait, are you for real? For real. You can look it up. We need your seat. Look it up. Um, When you know this better than any of us, Wes, some of...
0: Hey, Cole, we need your seat i've been meaning to talk to you about this for a while
1: getting kicked off the classic cast. man you think of paul travailing travailing to to give birth to the image of, of christ and these believers I, I forgot the reference in galatians where he's so often we read of paul where much of his suffering in his ministry was due to believers not unbelievers which he did suffer because of unbelievers persecuting him yeah a, a lot but a lot of his suffering a lot of his frustration a lot of his challenge came from immature believers on their pilgrimage and him working hard to uh present them as holy before the lord as i'm talking yeah. i'll try to i'll try to point out uh what i'm talking about here You know, you think of 2 Corinthians, he's writing to the Corinthian church and really starting at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he's expressing a, a holy frustration with these people. They're challenging his ministry, challenging his credentials, not even believing that he, you know, is anywhere near the super apostles, so to say. But he says this to the Corinthian church, have you been thinking all along, that we have been defending ourselves to you. It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ, and all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you. And I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. What is he saying here? Paul is saying, I fear that when I come to you, you're not going to be where you need to be on your pilgrimage. You're not gonna need you're not gonna be where you need to be in your progress. So all that rambling to say for Christian. And even for the godly minister that we've seen in one of the interpretations in the previous chapter. The challenges are ahead. Take it away.
2: Well, go ahead, Wes. No, I you 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 go ahead, Danny.
0: Well, I'm trying to figure out where to take it.
2: <laughs> I, uh, I, I completely yeah. agree, Cole, I, you know, that you see so much of Christian's care and so much of his travail is we see on these, these people who are on the path, who are not progressing or are going the wrong way. And you, you, you kind of laughed a little Danny when he was talking about Paul, you know, the preponderance of Paul's hardship being a, according to believers and on, you know on a physical level that's that's not the case right, right. he's stoned right. he's you know right. arrested right. all that right. but when paul talks about his tears and anguish he's not talking about you know usually his his being punished or in jail he's always talking about yeah that that yeah. very thing witnessing witnessing that yeah, mm. the,
0: the persecution isn't what keeps him up at night
2: right mm. and, and man, i think when you're talking about talking about uh, lack of progress and, and Phineism in, in our context, I think what what so many Christians, or, or at least those who believe themselves to be Christians, are not making progress because they go to the cross and then they approach the hill of difficulty. And instead of looking for the their assurance to be the, the seal of the Holy Spirit, they they they're they're told to go back to their conversion for their assurance, and so there's okay there's difficulty. Oh no, uh, am I even saved? I'll, I'll go back to the cross, and so they yeah. just spend their entire lives going back and forth on this path, approaching difficulty, trying difficulty, and then turning around and going back to conversion rather yeah. than carrying their assurance with them. Right, and and so you you see a lot of immature Christians. You see. Uh, a, a lot of Christians who are just deep in frustration and that is not a recipe for healthy Christian relationships. It's not a, a question, uh, a good recipe for encouraging, you know, encouragement in one another.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think what we see in that in uh, timorous and mistrust, um, oftentimes um, I'm rereading through Pilgrim's Progress as we're doing this podcast. I can't think of anyone that turns away from the path or turns back that's actually a fellow Christian.
3: Right. Because Timur
0: is, so Timur, now what you just said is absolutely true uh, experientially. I think that there are Christians that, uh, you know, they're they're going back and forth from the conversion, having very little, progression and things like that 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 that's a that could be another character in 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 the now in the allegory if we wanted if there we wanted there to be one but uh timorous and mistrust they're 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 running back they said nah this is uh, that's why i'm thankful that bunyan in here put the names as he did yes so we (laughs) we know that there's no debate yeah there's no debate one guy is mistrusting okay he's He's, um, he's mistrusted. He's he's now convinced otherwise. Oh so yeah, I tr- I'm I'm not trusting this way anymore. And then another one's uh, just timid. He's a he's a coward. And okay, so there's he's not on the path
1: either.
2: Yeah, and timorous,
1: neither- showing yeah. or suffering from nervousness, fear, or a lack of confidence.
2: And I think I was, I was I was trying to characterize what so many, if they are Christians, what they've been taught.
0: Uh, right, right, not, right, not
2: right. you know that there are many Christians who don't progress, right. you know, or that God right. fails to bring. But that's that's what they're yep. taught, and so that's why there's so much frustration. Yeah, you know,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I knew exactly where you're going with that. Yep. Galatians. What, what about? Go ahead.
1: No, you you go.
0: What, what about? I like how. I was—I just found myself laughing in Christian's conversation with the two guys that jump over the wall. Formalist and hypocrisy. Yeah, formalist and hypocrisy. Uh-huh. He's walking on the way, and all of a sudden, these two guys just jump over the wall. He's like, "Wait, wait a second! <laughs> what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing? Yep. Don't you know you have to come in by the gate?" Uh-huh. And they're like, "What does it matter? We're on the you know." what does it matter if we come through the gate or jump over the wall? It's Our like, people have same, done
2: this for the, forever. People yeah, who are in front of have done yeah. this for forever. We go over the wall. We yeah, don't we need just, to go through we, the gate.
0: Yeah, we just go over the wall. It's like, what does it matter? It's like, by the time we get to the celestial city, I'll just tell them, we hey, we've been doing this for thousands of years. What's your deal?
1: Mm. <laughs> like, no, that's going to work.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Christian's is <laughs> like, hey. Try that one out. Yeah, Christian's like, uh, I don't think it works like that, guys. No.
2: They get- <laughs> I get they get the found same myself. fate as uh, ignorance if they if they even do get that far.
0: <laughs> yeah. The uh, I just found myself laughing so hard as I am reading that because the Christian's response is was like, "Hey, don't you think the Master of the Way is gonna have something to say about this?" <laughs> They're like,
3: nah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Hey, um, not to be a Debbie downer again. I do have to leave. Y'all can continue yeah. on though. Um, Galatians four nineteen. My little children, Paul to believers, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. Oh, that's yeah. Until Christ is formed in you, yeah,
0: that's good.
1: Talk about suffering, and not to make that from the minister's perspective to the Christian, but in we being in the shoes of the Galatians, the the pain anguish it is of the progress
2: amen that's why this book is so encouraging because there is there is pain and the temptation is to think mine is unique right or that I am unique in it being painful or it being slow mm. but here comes Bunyan it's almost like Bunyan is hopeful yeah and he comes alongside us and he said no he shows that no it's it's, it's diff- there's difficulty in every christian's life and he just points us to christ points us to our hope and our yeah. faith and yeah. uh that's what's so encouraging about it amen and to remember
1: too that when we're on this progress we'll never have the burden to weigh us down again while we're on it that's right
0: amen amen
1: cd d2 Wes Brown coming at you recorded and direct from the classic cast. Where? Just roll oh, with